All right. Uh, well, Matt, thanks for holding it down last week. I had uh, I know some stuff I, I need to take care. Of. <laughs> I know I had stuff I need to take care of. Hopefully, hopefully it was worth missing uh, the episode last week. But I guess we'll see. I don't, I don't have the results of my test back yet. But um, eh, I have no idea if I passed or not. But we'll see. It's kind of like fifty fifty. Honestly, either way, I wouldn't be too surprised. Oh, anyway, it's whatever's I'm done. I'm not taking it. That's for... the main thing. You're done with it. Well, I'm done with it if I pass. So hopefully I pass because, yeah, it's just annoying to study for. If anything, I'll take it like four months from now, probably, if I don't pass. But it's okay. You held down the fort. Appreciate it. Um, Let's get into our stuff for tonight. Cause we got a lot of stuff actually. It was a pretty active, active week. Obviously, first round of the playoffs. Now it's we're really in the thick of it, right? We'll get to some of the games. I guess we'll start off with the game that just kind of ended not too long ago. Gotta talk Lakers, right? So we'll start with that game. Uh well, I mean, we, we can even take it back to game three first. Just an explosion out the gate. Uh, thank you, Dylan Brooks, for poking the king or poking the bear and setting them off. It was really good to see. I mean, I think it was 35 or 33 to 9 at the end of the first quarter, something like that. But, you yeah, know, like full out. Yeah, full out avalanche to start. But especially in the playoffs, teams will cut it closer. And I, I kind of just knew that at some point the Grizzlies were going to make their run. And hopefully we just had enough there luckily you know we uh had big contributions from everyone that game and yeah we were able to ride out our early momentum and kind of keep the grizzlies at bay for the most part um they had no jaw that one right so no they did have jaw they they had jaw yeah jaw jaw played game three Oh, he missed game two. Oh, game two, game two. That's right. So the Grizzlies are now winless with Jaw. <laughs> oh, that's right. Okay, yeah. So that's right. He comes back and and they lose. Um. Anyway, yeah, took care of business. Tonight was a big one, and with seven game series, Matt. Uh, I don't know if I've said this before. Maybe a while. Maybe like last year. I haven't said this for a while, but with a seven game series, you know, I always feel like. Well, besides game seven, obviously being the most important game. Game four, like game one and game four to me are like the biggest games in like a best of seven series. First game, obviously, just, you know, a little bit of momentum for either team. If the home team can protect home court, that's huge. But if you steal one on the road, that's that's always big, especially in that first game. Get a little bit of momentum. But, you know, game four to me is kind of where the series starts to, you you kind of start to sense how the series is going to end, right? Because you're either 2-2 or you're 3-1 or, I mean, or you're 4-0, right? So, um, to me, game four, especially uh, teams like this, you know, one and one or two and one in this case and big game for both teams, I feel like 
it, it was big for the Lakers to keep pushing their momentum, but it was even more important, I felt like, for the Grizzlies to get one back and even the series at two. But let's, I guess we can break down uh, this past game. So, you know, game four, Dylan Brooks was back. He got ejected that game three a little bit. I mean, they were probably out of it, right? But uh, they had the full roster back out there, both sides. And it was kind of an ugly game. Like, offensively, it was... Especially shooting-wise. Oh, Oh, my goodness. It was not (laughs) an easy game or a fun game. It's not... It's like the complete opposite of watching, like, Warriors and Kings, where it's just transition, uh, good shooting on both sides, really good perimeter guys, like, completely opposite. So, once again, you know, I'm sitting there thinking to myself, where is Mr. Anthony Davis, right? Another pivotal moment uh kind of need him to step up and i think he only had like 12 points or something like that today he did play well defensively i would i would say you know he was a presence uh inside but also got to give credit to the defensive player of the year jaron jackson jr because i felt like he was all over the place uh especially down the stretch had a couple big big blocks there and i mean schroeder was killing me he like Threw the ball away twice down the stretch <laughs> in the fourth quarter. Um, so, you know, with all this going on, the poor shooting and whatever, uh, we needed Austin. It was Austin Reeves, really. D'Angelo Russell late with those big threes as Memphis was starting to pull away. Um, I thought this is a, a really good game for D'Lo to get some of his confidence back. Right? Guys stepping up. But ultimately, it came down to one man and one man only. And that is the king. Yep. So LeBron finally put the crown back on tonight. Hit the huge uh, driving layup over Jaron Jackson Jr. Like he threw it almost to the top of the backboard for the tie and then got the and one late in overtime to pretty much, um, you know, put the Lakers ahead for good there. So, uh, I mean, gas like both teams just completely gassed out at the end you could tell the lakers were really trying to catch their breath as much as they possibly could there and you know luckily uh i think this was a a game that kind of just that little bit of experience or lack of experience for the grizzlies at the end kind of costed them because it didn't seem like they could get um into like their offensive set in the half court with at least what what they were trying to do at the end. They got a couple good looks. You just couldn't hit their shots. But, you know, I was also getting frustrated with the Lakers' offense a little bit down the stretch. But uh, LeBron knew, like, he just needed those few extra seconds catching his breath uh, before he went to go put his head down. And if, you know, if that's what he needs to go out and pretty much, you know, tie and then win the game, if that's what he has to do – start with seven seconds left on the shot clock. I mean, I guess we have to live with it because we weren't getting any help from AD, right? D'Angelo had fouled out at that point. Um, and, you know, he's always looking to make the right play, but uh, sometimes the right play is to go put your head down and score. So I was pretty happy with this one. We're up 3-1 now. I I hope we can take care of business in game five. That would be ideal. But I think Memphis is going to come out firing. The fans are going to be excited, right? So, 
Uh, I think it's going to be a tough task. I, I still think Lakers in six, though. I, I'm feeling pretty confident about that. I mean, I would have to say that, too. I picked them to go to the finals with our playoff prediction, so I'm looking pretty good with this pick so far. But, yeah, I, I watched pretty much the whole game, and I got to say, I think the Lakers... You know, you could kind of expect them to come up flat just the way that game three ended. I thought Memphis kind of found something at the end of game three. Like, you know, outside of that first quarter, they were kind of, you know, neck and neck and they kind of won the game, you could say, the rest of the way. So you kind of expected them to to carry that momentum and they really did. And the Lakers came out flat except for one guy, Jared Vanderbilt a guy who was not on the roster to start the season, but came over in that Minnesota three-team trade, or three-player trade. Um, but I, I like him. I mean, he's not a guy who's playing, you know, heavy minutes, and especially late in the game, but to start the game, and when he comes in, he's got the task of guarding Jaw. And it's like, give me, or Darvin Ham is basically just saying, give me six minutes, all your energy, all you got, and just go crazy. He's picking up jaw full court and anything he gives you offensively is is gravy. But I think him setting the tone and offensively chipping in with, you know, I think he had like 10 points in the first quarter. So that kind of settled the game down for the Lakers, you know, kept them in the game to start. And I thought that was huge and then everybody else kind of, you know, started coming along. But Jaron or Jared Vanderbilt really set the tone for the Lakers. And late in the game, it was the other T-Wolf player traded. D'Lo, Mr. Ice in his veins. The game was kind of slipping away. The Lakers were down by seven, and D'Lo goes berserk. <laughs> three straight threes on three straight possessions, giving the Lakers the lead. Now, I was the one that said, if the Lakers are going to go places, D'Lo has to be the third the third guy on offense. I don't think he has to be the third guy anymore because of Austin Reeves, but he still needs to be a factor and do things like that. And for him to just show up in that moment, that's kind of all you want from him. You know, LeBron and AD are supposed to be carrying the load, but guys like D'Lo, Austin Reeves, Schroeder, Rui, I mean, those guys just need to have moments. And that's exactly what you want. A couple key role players having big moments throughout the game. And then late in the game, obviously, let your big boys do the work. And LeBron, I'm going to be really interested to say uh, watch Undisputed tomorrow <laughs> because I know, I know Skip Bayless is going to rip LeBron somehow. And honestly, LeBron, to me, wasn't the greatest, you know, to three and a half quarters. Defensively, was outstanding. <laughs> was outstanding. But offensively, you know, the shot selection and I thought the lack of aggression wasn't really there, especially kind of in that middle of the fourth quarter. You know, he's driving and I'm like, LeBron, like you got a one-on-one. -on -one. Like, take him. Like, you got jaw on you. Like, take it to the hoop. But, you know, he made the clutch shot when it counted. They needed the basket at the end of regulation. Hits the tough layup over the defensive player of the year. And then, you know, the icing on the cake was the N1 over Mr. Um, 
villain. Dylan, Dylan the villain. Dylan the villain, bro. Dylan the villain. I mean, that was that was un unbelievable. That was literally greatness that we just watched. But I gotta ask about Anthony Davis. So I kind of had mixed feelings about him in this game. So for the first, I could maybe say four quarters, you could say, <laughs> was pretty awful. But he did make critical plays in the overtime, getting key rebounds. You know, he was being Anthony Davis late in the game. But, like, that's the thing that just bothers me about the Lakers. And I know as you as the fan of the Lakers, this got to drive you insane because they talk about it inside the NBA after. Charles Barkley was ripping into AD. I mean, he is literally the key to me. Like, you look at the games that they won outside of this game. You take game one and you take game three. Those are the games the Lakers really had control of. And AD was dominant. Game two, he no-showed, kind of got blown out. <laughs> Even this game four, they sh- honestly, they should have lost this game. <laughs> but And AD was, was pretty awful. So I think that kind of just shows, like, you know, AD, man, if... If you play well, you guys can can beat anybody. But if you don't show up and play like a superstar, you guys are going to go home. And even if it's 3-1, I know it's a good position for the Lakers. They got to win one out of three. But if AD no-shows for three games, like I'm going to be honest, they could probably lose this series. So I don't know. What did you think about, about AD's performance? Like I would say in a letter grade, I would give them maybe like a like a C plus because he came on strong at the end, closed out the game, but man, it was, it was awful. It was, it was bad <laughs> for the first three and a half, four quarters of this game. I me. mean, th- at this point it's, there's, it's not surprising, unfortunately, because we know what he's capable of. Obviously we know, but it's gotten to the point now where it's not surprising when he has games like this either. Right. To his credit, he did, you know, like you said, show up kind of later when it counted. I thought more on the defensive end, right? I especially, you know, he had that block on jaw. Mm-hmm. I was just worried. I was like, man, where have I seen this before where the opposing team has a catch and shoot situation? <laughs> like, oh, please, AD, don't get caught slacking again. Like, it's happened twice already this year. Luckily, they had their defense set. He had the big block. LeBron almost made the most insane playoff game winner uh ever but you know like i said i mean it's kind of the rhetoric now i think it's kind of been determined i don't think he'll ever be a one anymore i think that time has passed him unfortunately you know i don't think it's all his fault i think injuries have taken a toll on his body uh throughout the years and Unfortunately, I don't think we'll ever get to see that New Orleans AD that was a top five player in the league anymore. But he is still, you know, an all-star, all-NBA caliber player. Um, Maybe third team all-NBA, but, you know, he is still capable of it when he decides to, you know, come out aggressive. And I guess it's just a lack of aggression. That's that's the one thing that will bother me. Everyone has off-night shooting, but... I want to see him call for the ball in the low post, take whoever it is, exactly. you know, Tillman. I think he was on Tillman a lot tonight or at least command some kind of double team. Right. Uh, and then get 
kind of our offense flowing in that direction. But, you know, I didn't really get to see that tonight. And, I mean, luckily we had Austin Reeves and D'Angelo Russell uh, picking up the, the slack offensively. And, you know, it was an ugly one, but our defense has, you know, has been playing pretty well against against these Grizzlies. But obviously, um, even if we do make it out of this round, it only is going to get tougher from here. Right. So we're going to need a full collective team effort from everyone. Uh, full effort. Day, day in and day out the rest of the way. There's no there's no excuse. There's no taking one game off here and there. It's that time has passed. Right. So anyway, um, yeah, I, I'm feeling good, though. I, I think we take our business. We should close out this this series in the next two games. So. I'm not too worried. There. Oh yeah, you can't let it go back to to Memphis for Game Seven. Mm -mm. That's a that's a no no. All right. Well, anyway, let's uh let's get to some other games here. So, I guess the second most exciting series at this point, um, the other one that's two two Kings Warriors, like we said, completely different flow, game flow and pace, uh, almost like the perfect match for a first round right matchup you know both these teams offensive juggernauts they like to play with pace they like to push shoot a lot of threes uh rely on a lot of perimeter one-on-one -on -one defense so you get to see a lot of guys like that so i mean it just calls for exciting basketball really you got two two guys in steph and darren fox who i think his stock just keeps going up and up uh you know as the season has progressed and he's shown in the big moments that he's not afraid to take the shot, not afraid of the moment. Um, but, I mean, overall, this series, man, uh, I'm surprised that it is 2-2 because I, I felt like it could have easily been 3-1 for the Kings at this point, looking back. Especially, you know, that uh, game four yesterday, I believe, right? Harrison Barnes... Yeah. One shot away from flipping that the X Warrior that series, right? So, I think if you're a Warriors Warriors fan, you're pretty happy that you're at two and two at this point. Um, I mean, they played competitively in Sacramento, so I don't think they should be too worried. But getting two back on their home court now, it's best of three. Looking forward, ah, man, I I could see either of these teams making it out, Matt. I don't really have a real strong favorite that I'm leaning towards. Also going to be interesting to see if Draymond continues to come off the bench. I mean, it kind of helped the rotation early, I guess, but to me, Jordan Poole, you, he can't play excessive minute, minutes uh, on the floor. He really needs to, to me, he needs to be the sixth man uh, for like the scoring boost. I get what Draymond wants to do, right? Bringing that intensity off the bench, but Man, like Jordan Poole, as much as, you know, as crafty as he is offensively, I feel like he can be a liability on the defense, defensive side, especially with the Kings roster, how it's set up. He needs some some defense out there. Just run the stay cleft. Well, stay cleft. Steph and Clay, <laughs> offensive show. Um, and you know, if I think Wiggins is gonna be the key piece if he gets back, uh, we know he can be a good two way guy, right? So if his offensive game starts to get back to what it was last year, to me, he's going to be the key piece in this series uh, for the Warriors. 
And uh, you know, on the flip side, the Kings, someone just gotta help out the Aaron Fox. <laughs> really? Well, uh, especially now with the you know, the breaking news that came out today. Right, with uh fractured finger on his shooting hand. That is unfortunate. Um, the Warriors run of injury luck continues. So I don't know what how they keep pulling this stuff off, but you know, I, I think he's gonna have to play. I think he'll play in game six, even if he doesn't play in game five. Uh I mean at that point, right, if your team is down three to two, you're gonna you're gonna go out there if you can if you can't. So um I don't know. I think Andrew Wiggins is key for me. How how he plays is gonna kind of determine the rest of the series. We know what Steph is gonna bring, we know what Fox is gonna bring. Um yeah, that that that's how I kind of see this one playing out. Yeah, this is definitely I could, I would say it's the most exciting series, even over the Lakers and the Grizzlies, just because of you know the firepower. I think the Grizzlies, Lakers, you could really say those are two defensive minded teams. This this is this is an offensive series. <laughs> so for the Warriors, I think you said you know Draymond and Jordan Poole should kind of you know swap roles. I I kind of disagree. I think you know with Draymond being suspended, it. You know, it forced Steve Kerr to obviously adjust. You can't play Draymond in game three. So Jordan Poole is the next man up. They kind of, you know, catch some momentum. Draymond, not really an offensive guy. So I think being the team player that he was and is at this point, you know, did the, did the right thing. And I think they won two games, you know, with this rotation. So if it ain't broke, don't fix it. So I think game five, you roll out the same five. Draymond should come off the bench. The closing lineup, I think that depends on the entire flow of the game. If you need defense, obviously Draymond's going to be in there. But if you need buckets and they're taking Steph away and you just need help scoring, Jordan Poole, he's going to be in there. Who they're going to take out, I don't know. <laughs> because I think Wiggins, obviously a wing defender, two-way player, can't really take him out, but Kavon Looney has really established himself, you know, inside for the Warriors. He is huge for them. He's not going to score a lot, but he'll he can give you 15, 20 rebounds a game. And he's a willing passer in the post. So a guy like that to run pick and roll with almost Draymond-esque in a way, you know, offensively. So yeah, I, I think the Warriors have the rotation. This is kind of their new death lineup in a way. You know, back in the day when Draymond was at the five, you know, Draymond's a little older now. Still a defensive problem, but, you know, with Poole, obviously a shooter, Clay Thompson, Steph, Wiggins kind of taking that Iggy role in a way, you know, wing defender, can make big-time shots when needed. And then, you know, you got your big in, in Looney. So I kind of I kind of like that, this lineup for the Warriors to start. But I think they're going to keep it rolling for the rest of the series. And then for the Kings, it's really, it's kind of scary because one, De'Aaron Fox is, it's kind of a one man show right now. So with this, you know, injury news coming out for Fox that now his finger is broken, I don't, they already said he's doubtful for game five. So I'm going to assume he's not going to play. And like you said, probably come back for game six if, it's a elimination game.
But where is uh, DeMontis Sabonis? Uh, he's an all-star. Can you guys put out an APB for him? Because uh, I need my stars to show up. This is not just about the Lakers stars or this is any team stars, especially in the playoffs. If you're an all-star player, you got to show up. And I watched Sabonis in these games. He just looks physically outmatched by Draymond, Looney, Wiggins. I mean, all these guys that are they're throwing at him, he just is not he's not picking up with the postseason physicality and speed of the game. And if Fox is gone, <laughs> I mean, they gotta play through him. So he's gotta be able to step up. I mean, Malik Monk is nice off the bench, but you can't really rely on him to be a, a number one option. That's not his role. Davion Mitchell is a nice piece, but he's a defender. He's going to be harassing Steph off the bench. So DeMontis Sabonis, you got to, if Fox is gone, he's got to score like 30, give you 15 rebounds and seven assists. He's He has to do that. That's the only way they're going to win game five. So Unfortunately, I think with the Fox injury, I'm going to have to say the Warriors have the edge in this series, and I probably think they're going to close it out in six, and it's unfortunate that it has to come down to an injury again, but exciting series. It's It's got the potential to go seven, I will mm-hmm. say, but yeah, that Fox injury kind of killed the, killed the vibe for me because I was really looking forward to this one. Definitely. Um, you know, gonna be tough for the kings now if you know darren can't go he's probably not even gonna be at 100 percent either it's on your shooting hand yeah that's tough that's like jaw too jaw's wrist Mm -hmm. and now you know shooting hand right maybe he just gotta drive uh drive right (laughs) go with the right hand instead we'll 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 see how that goes i'm still anticipating a good series the rest of the way but oh yeah definitely we'll see i definitely do think the warriors have the edge though now Okay. Um, top over to the Eastern Conference real quick. Another exciting series. You know, going defense, offense, back to a defensive series. Cavs and the Knicks. The Knicks, man, they look they look good with Jalen Brunson running the show over there. Um, they got a good supporting cast, and they're really just making it tough for Donovan Mitchell, Darius Garland. Um. You know, the rest of that Cavs team that maybe they're just not quite there yet as as a team. I, I still like Donovan Mitchell. Um, I I do have confidence in him, but it seems like the team itself is not quite ready yet to take that that next step uh to moving up in the playoffs. Whereas the Knicks, man, uh they look they look ready. They look like the one of the best defensive teams in the league right now. You know, they got Thibodeau running the show over there and uh, Jalen Brunson doing his thing in in clutch time. You know, Dallas definitely misses him. So he gets to be the star in New York now. And that's kind of all you can ask for. Right. So to me, uh, I don't know. I think this series is a wrap. Even if it doesn't finish next game, I, I think the Knicks move on. Oh, yeah, me too. Knicks. I say Knicks in six. But this one. I'm I'm not like you. I disagree on the point about Donovan Mitchell. I'm I'm not sold on him yet. I think he's a he's a talent. He can score, but he's too dang streaky. And you know, he can score 71. Everyone's gonna get caught up in that. But is he making everybody else better? Like I don't I don't 
I don't think he has that in him yet. He needs to develop that, you know, as he gets older and more mature within his NBA career. Because looking at this Cavs roster, it's really it's a it's a Mitchell or bust. Darius Garland, all star player, but ah, he's not at that you know I would say that alpha tier guard in the NBA. Jared Allen's a good piece, but you know he's just a rim protector. Evan Mobley. I think he's going to be good, but I think this is his second year in the league, so he's still young. Karis LeVert, nice player, but has an injury history. So it's a it's a Mitchell or Bus show for me offensively. And when you're playing a, a defensive team like the Knicks, you can't just have one guy, you know, try to take all the shots and do it himself. It's it's gotta be a, a team oriented offense that's gonna take you down. And that's just not what the Cavs are at this point. It's it's all about Donovan Mitchell. And when he doesn't show up, which is to me 50% of the games in the playoffs, yeah, you, you can't you can't win a series like that. And the Knicks, I'll shift over to them. Jalen Brunson. I don't know, man. Maybe next year, probably all-star, first time all-star next year, possibly. But he's turning into, you know, one of those late game closers. Perfect fit for the Knicks with his toughness. But the guy that I'm still not over or kind of crying my sorrows out from the trade deadline is Mr. Josh Hart. Definitely. You know, he he is such a good role player, like perfect for any team in a playoff, playoff contention. Plays defense, shoots the three really well. And he he just makes winning winning plays, man. And you know the Blazers. I hate to bring it back to them. They're not even in the playoffs. <laughs> but at the time, you guys were in contention, and you trade him away. <laughs> Come on, guys, and and look at what the Knicks got. I think they kind of you know hit a stride after that trade deadline. And I'm not saying Josh Hart is the whole reason why, but he's a huge piece of their rotation, and he's balling out right now making clutch shots playing high quality defense and just making winning plays so yeah this series i would say it's a wrap and the knicks watch out you know with the with the other eastern conference series the bucks and the heat i don't know it might be an upset we'll see but there's there's a path for the knicks to kind of have a, a run possibly so i like their chances right now if i'm a knicks fan I think it, it's definitely looking good for the Knicks. It hasn't looked this good for them in a long time. I know. Um, Stephen A is loving it right now. We'll see. I, I, I still don't think they have enough to get to the finals, but I, I think they, they can make it a, a tough series for whoever they play next. Mm-hmm. And let's get to that, you know, other Eastern Conference series that is probably the biggest shocker out of all the series so far, and that's Miami. Going three up three one today on the Bucks. Giannis came back. Uh really not too much to say other than playoff Jimmy Buckets has arrived. Yes, sir. We thought bubble Jimmy was good. Yeah, I I guess it's just a playoff Jimmy thing. It's playoff Jimmy. It's just playoff Jimmy. You know, it's it's kind of rare, I think, nowadays for a type of player like Jimmy Butler to emerge. Um, you know, guys that are don't are not really 
huge regular season performers um don't need to get all the all-star credit you know they're not in the all nba conversations but consistently show up in the playoffs and consistently take over games in big moments like i'm trying i'm really trying to rack my brain of guys like that in the nba and i can't really think of guys that just show up so huge in the biggest moments uh and are not considered you know, some of the faces of the league, you could say. But Jimmy Butler, the past several years, man, uh, really just, to me, if there's one guy I want, you know, <laughs> with the ball in his hands, and I'm talking like LeBron, Tatum, Giannis, Steph, it's hard for me to go against Jimmy Butler. Uh, he's just playing unbelievable right now. I think we're both a little worried, Matt, because the Bucks are our finals picks. I'd say Logan's worried. worried too. We yeah, all I, picked the Bucks. I, I think I'm a little worried, but as great as Jimmy has been, it's really kind of a one-man show out there. No Tyler Hero. If they shut down Jimmy Butler, you know, start just doubling him, throwing doubles at him, I, I don't know who's going to pick up the slack because Bam hasn't really played up to his potential this series. Kyle Lowry has had his moments but are we really gonna count on you know bam and kyle lowry to take them over the top i still think the series isn't over this is a 3-1 series that i definitely think the bucks you know get Giannis gets back right um and they had the lead you know throughout this game it's just kind of jimmy took over late but i'm not counting out the bucks just yet i i don't think this series is is a wrap i could see it going seven still Oh, yeah, me too. It's a weird thing, right? Like, there's a number one seed. They're down. They're facing elimination. But it's like, oh, we're not that worried yet, even though they can't really lose a game for the next three games that they play if they make it that far. But, I mean, to me, the key is Giannis was out. So this is really the first game that he was playing. He played a full game. This is the first game in the series he was playing a full game. And to what you said, they controlled the whole game and it took literally the greatest Miami Heat playoff performance from Jimmy Butler to overcome that. And the game was close. Um, so if, if truthfully, if that's what it takes to beat Giannis, I, I mean, I'm not going to, you know, say like, oh, it's, well, we're cruising. The books are chilling. No, <laughs> but I'm not going to totally panic yet because the Bucks have home court. I expect them to win game five back in Milwaukee. And now you put the pressure on, you know, Miami, if you go back to game six, because you win that game six, they're going to win the series, I think. And I still believe a healthy Bucks team is the best team in the NBA. And I don't know what Budenholzer is going to do. I've been saying this from the trade deadline, but Jay Crowder, I thought, that was a huge pickup. He did not even see the court in game four. So I need to see Jay Crowder, maybe less of Pat Connaughton and less of Joe Ingles a little bit now. But I want that defender. I need to stop Jimmy Butler. I'm throwing Jay Crowder at him. I'm throwing Drew at him. I'm throwing Chris Middleton. I'm throwing Giannis. I'm throwing all these guys at, at Jimmy just to stop him. Because like you said, Tyler Hero is gone. He's kind of that second second scorer on that team so 
make somebody else beat you. Double team him. Just get it out of his hands. So honestly, I still think the Bucks are going to win this series. I really do. With the healthy Giannis, they'll be they'll be winning this series. Book me on that. Okay, okay, I like that. I I'm still I I'm worried, but I I'm with you. I I think they can still. I'm worried, series. but I'm not panicking, and it's weird because they're facing an elimination. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I, I I feel the same way. Um, all right, well, let's just kind of wrap up these other series here. Sixers took care of business against Brooklyn. Uh, I just think Brooklyn was a nice story, but um, Mikhail, he just wasn't. He don't got stars. He wasn't needs stars there just yeah. yet. Um, so they took care of business. Hawks, Celtics. I personally think that series is a wrap. Now I think the Celtics are gonna take care of business this next game. Really, not too much to say. The Hawks had a good run, but you know, no Dejounte now too. It's gonna be kind of tough. <laughs> So I, I got the Celtics in that one. Nuggets, Timberwolves. I'm glad the Timberwolves were able to not get swept. But, I mean, if I'm being honest, I think that was just an ant Herculean effort to save them down the stretch. I don't know if he can do that three more times in a row. So I'm going to go go on and say, yeah, Nuggets handle business, if not next game, in game six. So... Yeah, I'm I'm excited. This got to be one of the most exciting first rounds in a while. Definitely more than last year, I mm-hmm. feel. Maybe it's because LeBron's back in the playoffs. That's got to be it, man. It's because the king yeah. is back. It, it's it's just better for basketball. Um, all right. Well, we'll we'll check back in next week. See how everything plays out because you never know. You never know with with uh, playoff basketball, right? Um, on that yep. note, though, <laughs> let's uh, let's take a break here. We got some football and baseball stuff to talk about. There's a lot of basketball talk. So we'll take a short break here, and uh, we'll get back with some NFL talk. Okay, so... It's that time of the year, Matt. It is draft week. We finally finally have some NFL news to talk about. We'll get to the other breaking news that happened today, but start with the draft stuff. You know, it's always fun. Uh, Matt, I know you're kind of itching to talk about some Cowboys. We haven't talked about Cowboys in a while, so I know. Why don't you give us I a little ta- bit of? Why don't you give us a little little bit of Cowboys talk? Since I know you've been dying to talk about anything Dallas. Um, who 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 are they taking this week, Matt? Okay, well, you know, to start off, they got the twenty sixth pick in the first round this year. Um, truthfully, I don't know. I don't know. I have a different approach than last year. So if you remember last year, I was like, they gotta take Nakobe Dean if he's there. I was like gung ho on him, and I was torn because he was on the board. They took Tyler Smith. Wasn't a sexy pick at the time, but I would say he turned out pretty good. <laughs> so I'm having a different mindset this year. So with the 26th pick, if I'm Dallas, we'll keep it short and sweet. I should say, not just say short and sweet. We'll keep it simple. You take the best player on the board. I don't care what position that is, except, except a running back. 
if Bijan is there, which I don't think he is, I, I'm I'm avoiding a running back in the first round because I think you can find value later in the draft, whether it's the second round, third round, whatever. We should learn our lesson that, you know, maybe we shouldn't take a first round pick on a running back and then be stuck with him and try to pay him later. Uh, let's let's avoid that. So, you know, let, let's take a skill position player or just the best player available that's not a running back. So, obviously, receivers could be on the board. I like all of them, I, except for maybe Zay Flowers. I think he's a good player, just not the right fit for Dallas. But all the other ones, I think Smith and Jigma is going to be gone, but obviously him, maybe Jordan Addison. Quinton Johnston could be available. Jalen Hyatt is another one. Big receiver. So all those guys I like. The tight ends. I would be okay with Michael Meyer. Michael Mayer, not Michael Myers. Michael Mayer. Kincaid. Darnell Washington. Eh, but any one of them, eh, it's all right. But to be honest, I wouldn't mind another pass rusher. You know? In the first round, I want to pair something with Micah. And in that range, I don't know, maybe Nolan Smith from Georgia. Miles Murphy, to me, seems like the most realistic pick from Clemson coming off the edge. So, yeah, to to be honest, I'm taking just the best player available. That's not a running back, but that gives me a transition to what they should do in day two with their second, third round pick. I think that's when you get the running back. And the running back I do like in this draft is Jameer Gibbs. I think he's he's kind of that Tony Pollard back. He's great at receiving. He's explosive. And I'm treating it as Tony Pollard, this is his farewell tour. We just franchised him. I really don't think we're going to sign him to a long-term deal, especially coming off an injury. So let's just you know enjoy the last last ride with him and get a guy that can, you know, take over eventually. So I like Jameer Gibbs. If we can somehow maybe trade up to get him, that would be nice. Or Zach Chardonnay from UCLA, kind of a physical running back. So in a way he would take Zeke's spot. He would compliment Tony Pollard, kind of, you know, keep him fresh. Chardonnay can get the tough yards and then you get Pollard hitting the home run. So, I think that's what we should do, kind of transitioning. And then day three, I'm looking for, you know, a late round quarterback because I can't trust my $75 million quarterback. I should say backup quarterback, but I can't trust them. I really can't. So I'm taking a low flyer guy like Max Duggan. I think he's perfect for Dallas. Obviously played at TCU. He's just a winner. I just think he has that mentality. He's not going to light you up. Almost kind of reminds me of Dak coming out of college. He's just going to make winning plays. He's not going to be flashy at all, but he'll run. He'll just be gritty for you and just do everything it takes to win. So that's the kind of approach I'm taking in this draft. I'm not going to say I need one specific player. I kind of learned my lesson last year. Especially on that live stream that we did. Oh gosh, that was a disaster. That was hilarious. <laughs> that was a disaster. Moments. It's going down but, in the fan and the fanatic hall of fame of moments. Yeah. 
but sorry guys no i'm gonna break it i don't think we're gonna have a draft stream this year a little too busy can't do it. but yeah that was a that was a, a low low moment for me <laughs> so i'm changing my my uh my thought process here it was a low moment that turned into a positive moment you're right the season though tyler smith i love you man you're doing great just keep it up let's keep building in year two okay um well i'm just gonna be honest i don't really keep up with draft stuff like you do I'm more about free agents and stuff I'll, I'll look at the quarterback so that's probably the biggest one that i'm usually into but for miami you know i think they they have a second round pick this year it's their first one that they get with the whole after the trades and the tampering stuff <laughs> right that's um, right they don't have a first round pick so i think we're project there's a there's a center uh looks like they're projected to take around their pick i think you take an offensive lineman it's not gonna hurt um you get the best offensive lineman kind of available, help bolster up uh, and give some depth to that offensive line because, you know, as great as Armstead ha- was this past year, he is known to have an injury history. So I think just beefing up that offensive line any way you can. You know, Connor Williams had a great year for us, Matt. He he did really well at, oh, at congrats. Center. Congrats. He, he congrats. did really well. Um, you know, they might also look for another – uh, playmaking receiver in the draft, but I, I think we have enough at at receiver right now. We we brought back like Craycraft as well. Sounds like we might trade Cedric Wilson though. Um, so I'm not too sure uh, what's going on there. But it sounds like they come home. They said they wanted to do right by Cedric Wilson. Not sure what that means. I don't know if he just doesn't fit their the role that. You know, they want him to be in. But he's staying active. He's staying uh, active, working out with Tua, Tyreek, Jalen. You know, he works out with all of them. So I don't know. I don't think it's a chemistry thing. It might just be a, a scheme and fit thing at this point. I don't think there's any hard feelings. And, you know, props to Cedric Wilson because he hasn't complained about his, his role at all. I thought we should have been utilizing him much more last year. But, you know, I, I guess that's the direction Miami wants to take it. So... We'll see. Uh, either way, I'm I'm pretty confident uh, in Chris Greer. I mean, the past you know few drafts have, have been really good for Miami. I would say, looking at guys like Javon Holland, Jalen Waddle, right? Um, they it they've turned into really good picks. Uh, you know, minus the Igbenogabi pick, but guys like Kater Kohu, late round picks stepped up for us and. You know, I, I like where this team is at right now. So I, I there's always room to improve in the draft, but I, I have full faith in Chris Greer that uh they'll address the needs that, that they have to. Anyway, I think we should move on to this next one. So this is an interesting one. The quarterbacks. So the quarterbacks have been changing who's going number one, you know, kind of the whole off-season or, you know, pre-draft workout combine time, right? It went from, obviously, it's Bryce Young, and then Bryce Young started falling off. Oh, he's too small, this and that. I think it's going to be C.J. Stroud. Oh, but now C.J. Stroud did poorly in, like, the Wonderlick test or whatever <laughs> test that they took. 
Now everyone's kind of falling off of him. Now it's Bryce Young again. So it's kind of going back and forth, right? We we we've been seeing the roller coaster ride that is the uh, pre-draft quarterback ranking. So let's just give our top five. Um, we can start with five. Uh, we'll just go five. Um, I'll give you my five straight up, and then I guess you can give me your five. So. I was actually kind of torn about number five. I'm going to just stick with the safe pick, though. Go with Hendon Hooker at number five. Uh, I really like that. I remember this Fresno State guy, though, the Jake Hayner. <laughs> Jake uh, Hayner. He I couldn't mean, beat Hawaii. <laughs> I mean, but he looks like, you know, he has the physical tools, at least, uh, to be an NFL quarterback. But I'm just going to play it safe. I think Hendon Hooker, he was a winner, you know. Like, he, he played well. He played pretty good football in Tennessee. Uh, I think he he showed enough to be considered the fifth best best QB in this draft. And then one through four, it's where it gets real spicy, I think. Um, a lot of people have Anthony Richardson, but I'm going to put um, – or, sorry, they have Anthony Richardson high. I'm going to put him as the fourth one. To me, just way too raw. Obviously, the most physically talented quarterback in this draft with size – arm talent, speed, but I think play matters. So I'm going to have to see a little bit more uh, from him before I'm feeling real confident. So I'm going to, that'll put me at Will Levis as number three and then uh, CJ Stroud and then Bryce Young. So, I mean, we, uh, we both been big on Bryce Young this whole time, right? You know, CJ Stroud, the, the Wonderlick test. I mean, it does concern me a little bit because I kind of saw the, this graph of how you know quarterbacks end up turning out based on their wonderlick score so it was a little concerning but to me i saw the play on the field i'm confident in him i think you know he's been in the big moments before and you know will levis maybe he is capable it was kind of hard because he was down in kentucky didn't get a chance to show his stuff against you know the real elites in the college football playoffs but uh Regardless, I still have CJ Stroud at number two and Bryce Young at number one. We've been talking about it this whole time. I just think he's the winner. He's the most proven. And, you know, the size, yeah, it is a little concerning in the NFL, but I think uh, he's a little more, you know, he's not as stout, right? Stoutly built. He's a little uh, on the little smaller side. He's but small. He's, he, he's small, but he is agile. So uh, I think he he can avoid the rush pretty well. And uh, when when you're kind of that small and you get tossed around a little bit more, I feel like it's a little bit easier to protect yourself out there when, you know, because if you're kind of bigger, but you you can't really move that well, that's when like like Tua, for example, right? Like he's not the most elusive type of guy. Um, he's he's built pretty stocky, but, you know, he's not going to be slipping out of anyone's grasp kind of thing. Like I think Bryce Young can. So that that's my rankings. Uh yeah, I, I'm pretty confident. In that. Yeah, uh, that's a good list. I was worried that we would have the same list and then there would be nothing to talk about. But okay, that that's a good thing. But I'll I'll keep it simple. Same, it's the same group of five as you. But I'll start with five. So, out of those five, I got Anthony Richardson at five. The dude's just too raw to me. Like I I like you said it. Film doesn't lie, and I think there was a stat too. And this is when Hawaii was at kind of their low point last year. 
they were, I think it was Hawaii and Florida. They were the, la- I think they were the last two teams to have a passing touchdown in the season. <laughs> and doesn't that concern you that Anthony Richardson is compared with Brayden Shager <laughs> in a stat? Like, that's a red flag to me. So, yeah, I think he's just physically there, but football wise, you know, making the right throws, making decisions, quick decisions. Yeah, I don't I don't think he's there yet. Number 4, kind of same analysis, Will Levis. He's big. I think he has a a better potential to me than Richardson, but I just I haven't seen enough from him. I think he has a lot of interceptions as well, so he needs to cut that down. So I got him at number 4 over Richardson cuz of more I like his size. I think the, the bulkiness of him, the beef is there. But at number three, I got Hendon Hooker. And I know he's coming off an ACL injury, but I think he's a pretty underrated quarterback pick in this draft. Like, I don't know if he's going to turn out to be this good, but kind of reminds me of like a Jalen Hurts pick in a way. He's not going to be a first round pick, but there is potential for some value with that pick. I don't think he's going to be like a Super Bowl winning quarterback, to be honest, but can he turn out to be a quality starter? Uh, yeah, I think so. He can move around and he showed he could he could operate that Tennessee offense at a high level. So you give him a couple of receivers on the outside, he'll be I think he can make some noise. So I like Hooker at 3 and then same order as you, CJ Stroud at number 2 and then Bryce Young kind of our guy at number one the tape doesn't lie he's he's the best quarterback in the draft plain and simple i don't care about his size (laughs) he makes the right reads the right decisions he makes them quick he can move around extend plays kind of everything you want in a quarterback except he's not six feet but hey russell wilson was successful kyler murray successful drew Brees is successful height don't matter at this point it's all about the tape and Bryce Young has the best tape out of all these quarterbacks to me. Yep, I'm definitely right there with you. So it'll be interesting. Um, I'd be surprised if he doesn't go number one to Carolina. I'll just say that. Yeah, me too. Okay. Um, well, let's get to some breaking news out of today. Eh, breaking, not so breaking. Kind of saw it in the, you know, when there's smoke, there's fire kind of thing. It's official now. It's official. So Mr. Rogers is heading out of the NFC, coming over to the AFC East. Man, how stacked is the AFC now with quarterback play? It's kind of ridiculous. Um, I want to just make Dak like the second or third best quarterback in the NFC. It's kind of crazy if you think about it now. Um, well, he's the third, but he's the second best on his team. Okay, yep, 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 okay. I thought we could avoid Cooper Rush talk until September, I guess not. Of course not. It's football time. Uh, but yeah, I mean, big pit, pick swaps there. I was surprised that the Packers got that much, actually, you know, in the end. But I guess the Jets kind of caved in. They did swap first round picks, though, and it's not a huge difference. So to me, if you're the Jets, that's a win right there. But uh, to still get, you know, a second, a sixth, and I'm going to assume it's going to become a first 
this uh second that will turn into a first if he plays 65% of the games. To me, that's a big win for for the Packers. So, you know, he was Rodgers kind of out the door already. He can finally usher in the new Jordan Love era. It's kind of a win-win to me. And, you know, Jets being in win-now mode, making the AFC East that much more insanely competitive, right? I think it's a win for both teams, but I don't know. It's going to be interesting to see how Aaron Rodgers fits with a lot of the young guys. I think that'll be interesting to see if he can get Garrett Wilson uh, on the same page as him. At least he is bringing over Alan Lazard, guy he, he likes and trusts. The defense for the Jets, I still think, will be their best part of their team. But, I mean, now you have Aaron Rodgers, a quarterback. You don't need to worry about Zach Wilson giving the ball away or, you know, Joe Flacco on the other side. So now you bring in the bad man. And I'm a little concerned in the AFC East, but I still think we can split one and one even with Rodgers there. So I'm not, it's not the end of the world to me. Ooh, yeah, I mean, the AFC East may be turning into the AFC West last year, at least with the, the preseason hype. Hopefully it's not how they turn out after the end of the season. Yeah, let's hope that. But, yeah, I, I don't know. I feel like the Packers won this trade. I know typically, maybe in NBA terms, whoever gets the best player wins the, the trade. But I don't know. But it's it's the Jets. And I think we need to figure out what their realistic goals are for this season. Are they just trying to make the playoffs? Or are they really trying to compete for a Super Bowl? And I don't... I. I'm a little skeptical on on Aaron Rodgers performing in big games now. Three years in a row, he stunk it up when he had the chance. And do I want a quarterback of his caliber? Absolutely. But if they're trying to reach a Super Bowl, I, I, I don't know. I don't know. And I say that because of the young team. He's not going into a veteran team where everyone knows what to do. Like They know how to handle themselves. This is a young team. A lot of young guys, especially offensively. A young running back, Brees Hall. You mentioned Garrett Wilson. Yes, Alan Lazard's on the team, but is he really a true weapon? Eh, more of a chemistry kind of guy. But it's a young team. And I don't think Rodgers has that Brady effect where it's like he's just going to bring everyone together. It doesn't matter where you put them. He's going to make it work with, with anybody. And I don't think Rodgers is at that level. So I, I got to say the Packers win this trade in the long run. And yeah, I mean, I'm happy. This is good for me. I don't have to deal with Aaron Rodgers as much. I think we do play the AFC East this year, so we are going to see him. But nothing crazy in the postseason. I, I some reason, Aaron Rodgers turns into the GOAT when he plays Dallas in the playoffs. So I'm glad that we don't have to deal with that anymore. But yeah, I, I think this is a good trade for both of them. Maybe the Giants are going to, you know, fall off the map again. Now they're not going to be the talk of the town in New York football. But yeah, Jets, I think definitely could see them making the playoffs this year. That's for sure. 
now they just gotta get Lamar to go to the the Patriots, and we can just have an all out oh, brawl God, in the, please, in the no. AFC East. <laughs> that would be that would be insane. Keep Mac Jones there, please. <laughs> oh my goodness. Um, I don't need another headache with New England. It's just gonna be a mess. I still think I like our chances, though. I think we can pass Buffalo this year. Um, I don't know. That's just my early early thought. Matt, I think we can overtake Buffalo this year. It's because sounds like there's a little bit of drama with Stephon Diggs and Josh Allen, but <laughs> eh, who knows? That that might Buff- just be a rumor. Yeah, that's true. Buffalo doesn't have that aura like they did the last year. Like everyone was just penciling them to be Super Bowl favorites. But yeah, you gotta wait and see. And it's gonna be exciting when we make our, our predictions. It'll be very interesting in this division. Uh, I can't wait for football to start again. It'll be a fun time. Okay, well, we'll see how the draft goes, and we'll be back next week for sure to discuss our reactions to some of the draft picks. Always going to be draft night drama, but let's end our pod night with some baseball talk. You know, our team's been kind of up and down, both of our teams, so I'll let you start off, though. Uh, Checking in on the Yankees, how are we feeling? Uh, not I'm not at a high level anymore. So we beat the Angels last week in the series, but we end up losing our first series to the Blue Jays over the weekend. And today we're recording on Monday, so we dropped a pretty awful game to Minnesota. You know, we Joey Gallo hits a home run, Sonny Gray throws a gem. Shocking, of course. course, You know those two bums, but. Overall, from the team, I'm a little concerned. You know, we just can't stay healthy. And even when we were healthy, it's not like we were really mashing the ball. And God, our, our lineup is really is really struggling right now. Judge is kind of hitting a cold spell right now. I think his average dropped to like 240. Glaber had that hot start. He's kind of fallen off a little bit. Uh, so really outside of maybe Rizzo. Rizzo's been the best for sure. But that, yeah, like outside of him, it, it, nobody's really hitting Volpe's. You know, he's he's a rookie. I like what I'm seeing though. But really outside of Rizzo right now, there really isn't a consistent bat in the lineup. And outside of Judge and Rizzo, maybe LeMahieu. I think DJ. Who, who really strikes fear? you know, if you're an opposing pitcher. And, you know, I think Aaron Boone, Brian Cashman, the pitching is okay. I think we're okay in the pitching, but we got to fix the offense. And especially our bench. Our bench is atrocious. So we need to get rid of these guys like Calhoun, uh, maybe even Franchi Cordero. It was a nice story, but he's like one for his last 20 with eight strikeouts. Aaron Hicks should should have been off the team like four years ago. <laughs> um, so th- like they gotta reshuffle this bench, and I don't know whether it's you know a trade, calling up some young guys, but they gotta reshuffle the bench. And I gotta say, there is one guy on this bench that has really solidified his role, and that's IKF. Oh yeah, he he's, he's found the role, and I I will say he's playing. Great center field for a guy that's never played outfield before. And I think it was the Angels series. Yeah. Had he a couple had... nice catches yeah. in the outfield. 
had a big hit up the middle. So, you know, he's just providing defensive versatility and and speed. So at least we have a role for him before we ship him off to the Dodgers next month. But <laughs> at least we have a role. We're boosting his trade value so he can play shortstop for the Dodgers when I check him out next month. <laughs> it's crazy because we – I don't – well, I'll wait. I'll wait till you're done. No, but on a on a serious note, to kind of wrap wrap this up for now, it's a it's a little concerning. And call me crazy, maybe I'm panicking too much, but I don't know. Maybe come the trade deadline, if the Angels are out of it, let's just let's just try to get Shohei. Just for even if it's a rental, I don't know. Let's just let's just go all in. Give them whatever they give the Angels whatever they want, prospect wise. If you gotta give up Volpe, just just give him up. We got Peraza. <laughs> just just do whatever you need to do to get Otani to get some kind of offense because I think that's the problem right now. I don't know. Oh, by the way, Shohei is a dominant pitcher too, and we kind of need that because Carlos Rodon just seems to never want to come back. I don't know what it is. So with him, Sevi's hurt. Montas is not gonna be back till later in the season. So we need help. We we need help and. Call me crazy, but Otani kind of checks both of those boxes. So maybe that's something we just look into and say, F it. Let's just go all in, see what the Angels want, and just plunge. But it's it's more panic because I think the Rays are just blistering out of the gate. I think we're seven games back already. But if you look at it from the grand scheme of things, you know, we're right in the wild card hunt. So it kind of shows, at least from last year for the Phillies, if you get into the dance, you know, just as long as you're healthy and you're in the dance, you got a shot. So, you know, we're still in contention. I still think we're going to make the playoffs, but, you know, we want, we're the Yankees. We got to dominate. And, you know, I don't like this mediocrity, you know, just kind of coasting through the regular season. We need to establish ourselves as a contender, but it is only April. You know, I'm not going to, totally panic yet but it's a little concerning offensively right now okay um yeah you know my saying is you don't have to panic just yet there's cause for concern but no reason to put push the panic button um well i'll head over to my dodgers really quick a couple key things so right now it's weird um probably the biggest issue shortstop miguel uh, Miguel Rojas got hurt, so that's kind of a big loss for us. And we have a lot of guys on paternity leave, which is like really weird. <laughs> I think like Mookie <laughs> went on, Muncie just went on, Muncie just went on, Gratterall went on, Evan Phillips had had been out from last week, so it's like all all these Dodger <laughs> babies are just being born all at once. I guess I don't know what was. Like about nine months ago, I guess all these babies <laughs> like started. <laughs> I guess maybe maybe it was after the Dodgers got knocked out uh, of the playoffs. They had family time. They or, had quality yeah, family time. Yeah, and they all just decided to have kids at the same time. I guess. Uh, I don't know. Kind of an interesting, interesting thing there, but yeah, shortstop. It's gonna be interesting. Uh, is Mookie really gonna become one of our starting shortstops? Kind of crazy to think about. Uh, I think we're going to make a trade for a shortstop, I would hope. I so, I mean, it's kind of crazy yeah. that that's actually a possibility. <laughs> I don't think we're going to do it because we definitely need hitting more than anything right now. Um, 
so uh, like I said, nothing too scary, but yeah, that shortstop position, we're going to have to need to figure that one out pretty soon. So I'm hoping uh, someone, you know, we either make a trade for someone or someone steps up and kind of solidifies our shortstop role. Um, outfield hitting has been a little bit tough as well. Jason Hayward has been struggling. Trace Thompson, he had that one three home run game earlier in the year. He's been struggling. Chris Taylor has been struggling. Uh, so, you know, kind of, kind of our outfield play has been a little concerning. It's, uh, not something you really want to look forward to. Also, I believe, um, Will Smith, he's been out with something, right? I think he's been, he has a concussion. Yeah. He's been out. So we haven't had him. He was probably our best hitter before he went down. So we've kind of been struggling, but to stay healthy. Um, but hey, we took the series over the Cubs, who were kind of the hot team, one of the hotter teams in baseball. We have a tough stretch coming up. We play the Pirates, who are on fire right now. So it's going to be an interesting series for sure. Not the cakewalk, like I think we all imagined they would be at the beginning of the season. But I just want to get to the two biggest highlights, for me at least, and that's our two lefties, right? So first, got to give credit to James Altman, who I told you about, you and Jaden, <laughs> at the beginning of the year, right? I said, watch out for this kid, man. He's the next great Dodger lefty bat. The Seager, then we had Belly, now it's Altman, and... He has proved me right, I should say. He has proved me right. Uh, making a strong case for, you know, rookie of the year. I think he's up to seven home runs now on the year. He's hit. He's hitting about 300, around the 300 level. So, um, you know, really good stuff to see there. He has a couple. Uh, he's a pretty decent glove and arm as well. So I think he's going to solidify himself as an everyday starter real soon here. So obviously, like what I see from him, hopefully he can keep that momentum going uh, throughout the year. But to me, the biggest surprise, and I am so happy about this, Max Muncy. Mm -hmm. like, He's back. He is back. And he is, you know, he is crushing balls again with confidence. He's swinging with confidence. You know, I said, Matt, at, after about that first week, you know, the five, he had five strikeouts in a game. It was looking rough. I was like, oh, man, maybe... You know, we're going to just have to let him go. But, you know, after I said that, he picked it up and he started seeing the ball well again. He's going back to the patient Max Muncy, swinging at strikes. That's exactly what you want to see. And now leading the league in home runs with 11 already. You know, he's really pushing the pace there. Hope, Hopefully the paternity leave doesn't slow him down at all. Um, you know, I hope he get, he still get, get some good sleep with, with the baby and everything, but yeah, just completely needed right now. You know, we have a lot of guys struggling to hit, but he has been a constant in our lineup this year. And for him to have the power back, like even more so, you know, he's yeah, really provided that, that four hole threat again for us. Man, it, it's really like a different like adding a different player in free agency from last year with how bad he struggled last year. Um, it's like trading for a somewhat all-star caliber player, you know, this year, uh, I mean, leading the league in home runs, he's hitting for power. Um, I, I, I just, 
hope he can stay uh locked in throughout the season and it carries on to the playoffs. But uh yeah, shortstop we're gonna have to fix. And oh, I I should say one more thing. Um, our pitching we need to address the pitching, the starting pitching especially. Tony Gonsolin cannot back come back fast enough, and we're really missing Walker Bueller. You know, Julio got roughed up the other day, uh, but I think he'll be fine. Kirsch, you know, he's been solid as as usual, just really good to to see from him. Dustin May, he's showing flashes again. I think he's finally getting comfortable, but he's not quite in his peak form just yet. But man, we're gonna need some relief and starting pitching because we have really, really been struggling in those two areas uh so far. We we've kind of just had to out hit everyone <laughs> that we're playing. So if we don't score like five plus runs, six plus runs, it's it's it can be a little tough. So um I think we're gonna have to make a move at the deadline, maybe one or two relievers or one starting pitcher and a reliever. Uh, I'm not too sure. So far the center guard experiment has not been working out like I anticipated, <laughs> unfortunately. Yeah, your Dodger magic uh, might be running out on that one. You might have to come out of the pen pretty soon. Uh, because he did decent, you know, but it's just one or two hits turns into a home run. Um, yeah, kind of not what you want to see there, but like I said, it's a, it's only April, I'm getting into May pretty soon. No time to panic just yet. Thankfully, the Padres are not overpowering anyone. The Diamondbacks have been the surprise in the division. I don't know how long they can keep it up. They're still a pretty young team, um, but I'm just glad the Padres aren't aren't out here mashing on everybody. Yeah, so that's why you're not panicking because you're. You don't have a division leader that has three losses. Yeah, like like the Rays at the end of and April, the Blue Jays, the Orioles. Yeah, well, like everybody Boston, else is is Boston bunched is... up except the Rays. They're just like they're way out in front right now. It's it's crazy how fast. Well, Maybe it'll the be best, like the Yankees. They're the best team in the league and just right now. crash and like in June and July. <laughs> yeah, I mean they just hit more home runs than everyone and that's kind of their secret right and they're like, just getting all these walk-offs like oh gosh they won zero they win games like that they scored three in the ninth i think a couple games ago to walk it off like oh gosh that's the kind of games you just wish they'd lose and they don't and they win today they beat the astros so it's like oh gosh Can anybody beat these guys <laughs> no, they're they're gonna be tough i think they're it's only april We'll see if they can stay hot, but it man, if they continue, you know, they probably will hit a hundred wins at this rate on the year, right? They already got twenty wins. It's only it's not even it's not even May yet. They got twenty wins, so well. Uh, Rays looking good, pitching, hitting. Oof, good luck, good luck catching those guys. Um, yeah, and Glassnell's not back yet too, so they're going to be even better pitching, pitching wise. Scary stuff. All right, Matt. Uh, that was a good pod. I think we got to a lot of stuff there. Why don't you uh take us home with our sports fact of the day? All right. In honor of the draft this week, we'll keep it at an NFL sports fact. So we're recording on April 24th, and we'll throw it back to 2004 when these, at the time, San Diego Chargers had the first pick. And they selected a quarterback by the name of Eli Manning. Eli Manning, who did not play a single snap for the Chargers because he was traded to the Giants <laughs> right after that. And we all know the rest of his career. One of the only two men to beat Tom Brady in a Super Bowl. Mm-hmm. So, And the only one to beat him twice. So 
Eli the Umbre- Cowboy Slayer Manning. Yep. <laughs> and the he he slays the goat too. And the goat slayer. And the goat slayer. But yep, that's a NFL sports fact in honor of the draft this week. I'm ready for the draft though. Let's go, boys. 26th pick coming up on Thursday. Okay. Well, check back in next week. Basketball updates, draft updates, baseball updates. You know what it is over here. Um, anyway, guys, as usual, thank you all for listening. Uh, we really appreciate it. Have a good week. Everyone stay safe out there. And I will see you guys next week.